Hey, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the first 21 verses. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there are some in the back corner over here. Uh, If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. You can have that. Um, If you don't have one today, you can use that. And also, it'll be available on the screen behind me. Um, But we've been in this series through the book of James talking about our identity. If you're just joining us, the biggest thing that we have talked about is we are made alive. The series title, the whole point of the book of Ephesians is Paul saying, here's what your identity is. It's in Christ. And here's then what you do as someone who's put their identity in Christ. And so each week I've kind of given you this sentence for your fill in the blanks. I don't have a bunch there. Just really that sentence that we're going to unpack that we see from that passage. And so right out of the gate, I'm just someone who just likes to give things away. So I'm just going to give you that whole sentence of the fill in the blanks that we are imitators of God called to walk in love and walk in wisdom. If you're someone who likes to just fill those in, you can fill those in now and and you're done. It's completed. You're done. But last week, as we've been looking through this series on our identity, last week we looked at Paul's description for us in the new life, that we are brought into new life in Christ, and that in Christ, in this new life, we are a new self created in Christ to walk in truth and holiness. And now in this week, as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, those first 21 verses, Paul's going to really talk about the type of walk, the type of walk that we should have as followers of Christ and children of God. And so here, Paul is really showing us that the Christian walk is a continuation of the new life, that we're brought into new life in Christ, and that here's how we're to walk in that new life. And that Christianity is not a modification of an old life. It's not this moralistic added area of this new life, but it's receiving the life in Christ, being born again in him in this spiritual new birth. That this new life, Paul says, must display itself in every area of our Christian living. Every area of our Christian living. And that we are to be imitators of God, called to walk in love and walk in wisdom. That's our sentence that we'll see in our text. But before we get to our text, let me say this and just kind of set up where Paul is going with this. My son is getting to the age where discipline is a big deal. Discipline is really important for mom and dad, and it's really important how we do it and why we do it. Not just going, oh, we better discipline this kid, but how we discipline and why we discipline matters. And now when we discipline, what I've noticed, my wife and I didn't communicate about this, but what I noticed, and I've seen this in other parents, I've seen this in some of you parents, that the language my wife and I have both used that we didn't previously communicate on is when Micah is doing something that's disobedient or unsafe, really our language towards him in disciplining him is we don't do that. We don't do that, or we don't act like that. We don't behave like that. We don't do things like that. And it's not just, just trying to point the finger at him. It's not saying you don't do that. It's saying we don't do that. It's pluralistic. And here's why this is really important. This really ties into how Paul approaches it with the church. Because as Sean and I discipline our son, we say we don't act like that. We don't do things like that. We're really together saying, listen, imitate mom and dad. We together as a family. Not just you, you better change how you're behaving, but here's how we then act. We give him an an opportunity to imitate mom and dad in this. And then also this is important because we're guiding him through life in love. So it's not just a slap across the face, what's wrong with you child, you one-year-old disobedient thing. 
It's saying here, I want to walk you through this. This is not how we act. Let me guide you to how we act in this family. Here's how we live out as this family. And then this is really important also because we're wanting to set him up to walk as wise, not as unwise. Because I, I can point out many young people that should have gotten some discipline when they were a little kid, and, and they're a word I can't use here. And, and there's, there's some things there where there's an attitude because they have not been trained up to walk as wise. And so Paul's really saying, listen, don't walk in your old life. We don't, we don't walk like that. That we are in Christ. This is how then our lives should look. And so in, the first, in those 21 verses that we're going to read, Paul's really saying, listen, in Christ, we don't walk like this of the old life. We are to walk like this. Here's the walk in how you should, you should walk about this. And Paul's saying this with an urgency. He's saying this as a father. Remember, Paul's in prison. So he's writing to this young church, telling them the importance of don't walk in, in how your old life was. Walk in your new life in Christ. And so he's saying this from a, from a spiritual father's mindset. He's saying this, listen, I, I want to say these things to you. I want to encourage you. And he's really heartfelt as a father saying them, not as a drill sergeant. Do this, do better, do more. He's saying it as a father. This is what we together are called to. See, as your pastor, that is where my heart has so changed over the last several years that when I got up and started preaching the word, I got excited. I got all fiery like a drill sergeant. Do this, get in line, and let's go serve Jesus. Let's go die in the battlefield of glory. And that's how I would preach in that, in that regard. But really for me, I've learned that really out of sitting with people, counseling with people, walking through life with people, I don't want to be the drill sergeant. I want to be the spiritual father. Now, I know that sounds maybe weird for some of you because you're older than I am. A lot of you are older than I am. But my point in that, <laughs> my point in this is that there's great responsibility and there's great opportunity that I hold tightly to. That here's where Paul is saying, he's saying, here's why I want you to walk this way. As a father would have his son walk. He's not just saying as a drill sergeant, here's your moralistic living for your way. He's saying it personally. He's saying it genuinely. And he's saying it model as here's what I'm doing. This is how we walk. Not as how you should walk with pointing the finger with an open hand saying, here's how we need to walk together. Here's how we need to walk together in that. And so for me, that's really changed my approach even. That as I sit with people, my biggest prayer and pleading to the Holy Spirit, listen, Holy Spirit, this is, your, this is God's kid. It's not my... It's not my friend. It's not my church goer here that I'm pastoring. This is your kid. This is your kid. God, help me lead them as a father would lead their son or as a father would lead their daughter. So in Ephesians chapter five, verse one through 21, Paul is continuing to really equip the church on how to walk. Listen, here's how we need to walk. And remember what he said earlier in, in chapter four, verse 20. Paul says about the old life versus the new life in Christ. He said, the old life was not how you learned Christ. The old life is not the way you learned Christ. And so Paul uses the word walk several times in the text we're going to read together. And he really uses this to describe the life of the believer and how we are to be moving towards Christ in what we do. That, that he, being Christ, has changed who we are. Our identity is completely changed. It's not added. It's not moved around. Our identity is completely changed in Christ. And he now wants to change what we do. He's changed who we are. And now he wants to change what we do in our living. And so the language here of our walking is to illustrate our living. And this language and this illustration is important. 
Because uh, think about it. No one walks perfectly at first. No one walks perfectly in general. And there's many times where there's, there's just kind of this unstable walking in our lives. No one lives perfectly. And so here, Paul gives an example that step by step, moving forward, we would grow up into maturity, knowing how to walk in Christ. Not perfectly, but faithfully. And so as Paul opens up in chapter 5, what we're going to read in the first 21 verses is how we are to imitate God and how we're called to walk in love and walk in wisdom. So let's read this starting in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so here, right right out of the gate, Paul opens up, Starting in, in verse 1 and saying that, listen, we are, we are imitators of God. This is what we need to be. And in these first 21 verses that we just read, Paul really gives us two lists. He gives us 10 do nots and he gives us six do's. It's a lot. There's a lot in there. And I think what we could easily do, what I could easily do in this time is bring it towards going moralistic. Going towards a moralistic approach to this. And not just for us Christians, but if we just do that and just leave it there, that even the atheists and even the other religions could attach themselves to this. This is how we do better. This is how we try harder. Here's the don't do this and do that, and there's your list, and we'll go home from there. But before Paul gives us this list of do's and do nots, he gives us the how. Here's how then you are able to walk in that. Here's how you're able to do it beyond moralistic behavior. In verse 1, he says, therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God. So, quick Bible lesson for you here. What is the therefore, therefore? 
When Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God, he's saying that as a continuation of something he said in chapter 4. And so in verses 17 through 32 that we covered, he's saying that it was all about walking in this new life. So here's how we open up in chapter 5. He's saying, this is your new life. Here's how you walk in it. This new life, here is your new father. Here is your new father that will now define for you how to do this life. Here's the new life in chapter four. Here's how you do this. And so there, it is there for be imitators because you are called out of the old life into the new life. But I think for, for us, this, this idea of being imitators of God is not only difficult, it feels impossible sometimes because we look at God and we go, I am not God and you are absolutely right. So God says be imitator, or Paul says here, be imitators of God. I mean, there could be no higher standard and greater calling than being like God. But the apostle Paul boldly tells us, if we're to be like God, we have to imitate him. So really then the question is, how do we know how to do what is right and not do what is wrong? And let me tell you this, it's not about you getting focused more on yourself and making a list. It's about you more faithfully coming before God and getting to know him. And in verse one, of chapter, in, in chapter one, verse five of our series, Paul said, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Now, here's the incredible truth about this. One of the greatest privileges we have as believers is that we've been adopted as sons and as daughters of God through Jesus Christ. So before the cross, God had only one son, one beloved, one special son. And the New Testament says the only begotten of the Father. But since the cross, what Christ has changed as he reconciled us to the Father, God now has many sons and many daughters of who Christ is the first. And that is why after the cross, he's not referred in the New Testament as the only begotten son, but the first begotten. Because through the cross, Christ gave us his life that we would have life in him. And what Paul is saying there in the first verse is that since we are God's children, let us live like our father. If we are adopted into this family, if we are sons and we are daughters, let's not walk as those alienated from the father. Let's walk and let's act like our father. And a great example of us, for us to do this is God's love. That as God has loved us as his children, he really has set a pattern for us as believers. That if he loves us, we should love others by this example. So how do we imitate our, our father? How do we imitate him? How do we be like him? Paul's not, not, Paul's not trying to tell us to imitate God's sovereignty, right? Because what I've told you many times before is that you and I make crummy gods. And, and we've tried this many, many times before. That's why we need Jesus. We make crummy gods. And we're not that awesome. God is awesome. So we're not called to be God. Let's understand what it means to imitate him. We're not called to be God. We're called to be like him. That what we're trying to imitate and, and, and pursue after is his character. That learning our, our father's behavior may be a, a simple thing and easy to do, but learning his character takes an intimate relationship. And so for my son, I've, I've seen moments where he can, he can imitate my behavior when I go home, what I've learned, and I learned certain things of what I do from him, and I've learned that I pace when I'm on the phone. For no reason. I'm not nervous. I'm not, I'm not having anxiety, but I pace when I'm on the phone, and I've noticed when I get home, my, my son loves to play with my phone. 
And he'll just kind of swipe through. He already knows how to use technology, which tells you exactly that his dad's a nerd. And so he knows how to use this phone, and he'll walk around, and he'll pace, and he'll just go, and he'll have these conversations. He can mimic my behavior, but he cannot yet mimic my character. And this will only happen in deep relationship between him and I. There cannot be things where he just quickly looks at and goes, oh, this is how I imitate him. This is how I mimic. He may be able to do that with my my behavior, but it's only in deep relationship will he be able to do that with character. And so imitating God has nothing to do with us walking around like we are God himself. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with our sanctification, with this process of pursuing him as Christ has allowed us to do that. And the apostle Paul, Paul used the Greek word mimetea, which from that, we get our English word mimic. From there, we get our English word mimic. And the idea is to copy closely, to repeat another person's speech, to be like them closely in their behaviors, in their mannerisms, in their character. And Paul is saying to get to know our heavenly father, this is important, so we can echo his speech. We can, we can act as he acts. And so the greatest example of this physically for us is Jesus. The perfect example of how to imitate the Father is perfectly seen in Jesus. And so when he came, he lived a perfect life that you and I never could. And he imitated the Father in his life by walking in love. Walking in love unconditionally. And this is why you and I are called to walk in love. In verse two, Paul says that we need to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so in our world today, people often think of love as a feeling. And there are certainly some feelings in there, but think about it, when that new relationship kind of fades off and the honeymoon phase is over, there ain't no feelings no more sometimes. But love is deeper than that in the Christian walk. It's deeper than a feeling. So it goes beyond kind of our cultural Hollywood, hot pink love, big emotion, big chemical response in our brain. Love is a choice where we move towards one another in a sacrificial way. This goes beyond the feeling and into the action. So love gives. Love gives. Love does what is necessary. This is what Christ shows us. Love does what is necessary even if it's done for our enemies. Love moves faithfully regardless of response. That is love. It's unconditional and the, when the world sees this kind of love from us, church, listen to this. When the world sees this kind of love from you and I as the church of Christ, this, this really unites us together and shows a clear example of who we serve. So really showing this agape love in, in our lives lets others see who we serve pretty clearly. This is the kind of love that the world needs. So the, the world is not looking for the greatest theologian the world is not looking for the most faithful church server, the super server on a Sunday morning who's doing all these things all over the place and can recite verses from all the greatest translations. They're not looking for those people. They're looking for those who are going to go beyond the love that's feeling, the love that gives, the love that is an action. 
What the world is really looking for in this kind of love, this kind of sacrificial love, is the kind that proves that the gospel has the power to turn selfish and greedy and ungodly men and women like you and I into those who love unconditionally. Those who would love sacrificially. And so as followers of Christ, we're commanded to love. We're not just suggested to love. We're commanded to love as Christ did. And Jesus said this is how we'll even be known as his disciples. And John repeats this language from Jesus in in 1 John we see. In chapter 4 verse 8, he even says this boldly. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Anyone who doesn't know, who does not love, does not know God because God is love. And so we see that Jesus has loved and he's given himself freely, sacrificially to us. That he offered himself to God as an offering and sacrifice on our behalf. And so John repeats Jesus from John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. He says in 1 John 3, verse 16 and 17, in 1 John, he's repeating Jesus from John chapter 3. He says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So here's the sacrificial love of Christ. We're called into that. And in verse 17, he says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So how are you and I called to be loving if we're not loving? Because it's not just something you feel. It's something you move forward in regardless of your feeling. And so as we're called to walk in love, Paul also encourages us to walk in wisdom. Let me tell you this. There's a biblical distinction we need to understand between knowledge and wisdom. Because often in in younger culture, I think sometimes in younger thinking can be regardless of the age, sometimes we, we mistake wisdom with knowledge. And so a great example is someone who comes in with knowing how to answer all the questions but has no discernment on when to answer the questions. And so for that person, they may know everything, but they don't know how to walk in wisdom. A great example of this is when I get to hang out with, with older pastors. And not always, but most of the time, what I, what I typically see in a group of pastors is when you see the younger pastors, we're all over here in this corner kind of talking about, here's, here's what's going on in my ministry, here's what's going on in my life, here's all the great things, here's all the good theology, and here's my doctrine, come learn of who I am. This is kind of the attitude of the young, the young pastors, and here's the old pastors, they're going, I don't feel like talking, I don't feel like you, you need anything from me. And then they just say one sentence of what God's teaching them, in, and that's all they'll say. That's wisdom, allowing God to guide it. And that's not always the case dependent upon age. But knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing because you can't have wisdom without knowledge, but it's possible to have knowledge without wisdom. And so knowledge provides information, but wisdom provides transformation. Knowledge tells you what to believe. It guides you through what to believe, but wisdom tells you how to behave. And so in the Old Testament, especially throughout the book of Proverbs, we're encouraged to really seek after wisdom. And here in the New Testament, Paul's really telling us, listen, you're called to walk in this wisdom. Don't just know this, live this out. And so Paul says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Look carefully how you are walking, not as unwise, but as wise. 
And so not only do we need to understand the distinction between knowledge and wisdom, but we also need to understand this clearly. There are two kinds of wisdom, one that is of God and one that is not of God. And we need to be really clear on that in our culture, that wisdom that is from God seeks to bring him glory. But our own wisdom from the world is self-seeking. It's corrupt and it has nothing to do with bringing glory to God. It's just a bunch of head knowledge spoken out in the idea of wisdom. So what kind of wisdom do you have? What kind of wisdom do you have? Because if it's from above, if it's from God, then, then we need to be really intentional about that. That those that have wisdom from God seek to worship God in what they say and how they act and how they live. And in it, they demonstrate having the wisdom by, by how they live. They really demonstrate that wisdom by bringing glory to God. So the motivation there of true wisdom is to bring glory to God. So wisdom that's of ourselves doesn't bring glory to God. It glorifies self. But the motivation of true wisdom is bringing glory to God. Not, not my will, but yours be done. And I think when we understand the gospel fully, both knowledge and with wisdom, that, that God gave himself to us to redeem us from our sins, then we're really motivated by the love of Christ to serve God and to serve others in a way that brings him glory. When we really understand this, to bring him glory. And so what Paul is really saying towards the end here in verses 15 through 21 that in the light of this knowledge that you've received, he's saying this, this knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and salvation through him, see that you walk according to this knowledge. See that you walk according to this wisdom. See that you walk as wise, not as fools, but as wise, and redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so even in this, in the redemption of our time, Paul really makes this clear. Someone who may have knowledge may think about redeeming the time. But the person with godly wisdom does that. And so many times we may have the knowledge of, I should do that. I should respond to that. I should be walking in that. I should be living in that. I should be growing in that. That's knowledge. But walking in that faithfully, painfully, that's wisdom. And if this was true in Paul's day, think of how much more it's true in our day where just crime and hate and selfishness is becoming more increasingly rampant in our, in our nation. Think about the need then to redeem our time. And in verse 17 and 18, Paul goes on to say this, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, now, let me just clarify this. That's alcohol, okay? So beer, whiskey, wine. It, it, and there's a real contrast here that Paul's saying. The worldly man wants what satisfies him physically. The believer wants what satisfies him spiritually. This is seeking God, not self. There's a big difference there in how we walk then. And I'm not saying don't go home and, and enjoy an alcoholic beverage. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm saying getting drunk on these things are bad because that's not what we're called to be filled with. That's not what we're called to be defined by. And so here is why Paul is telling us to look carefully then as we walk and walk as wise and, and not as unwise. Earlier in verse eight, Paul said, at one time you were darkness. At one time, this is what defined you as darkness, separation from God. But now you are light. 
You are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. And so walking in darkness and walking in light, Paul says, is a big difference. That walking in, di- in, in darkness really means desires of the world, of the old life, of the old self. And that's really void of life in Christ. But walking in light really means having the desires of God, the new life, being renewed in Christ, really void of self, pushing those things away. So as he tells us to walk in light, let me just remind you of this that we've talked about before when we went through 1 John. That light really does three things. Light exposes the darkness. Light reveals what's in front of us. And then it helps direct us how and where to walk. And so think about that. For you to then walk in love and walk in wisdom, are you exposing the darkness? And I think for us sometimes what's really easy to think on is the concept that we need to shine this light. We drag this big light, this big shop light around almost, blinding everyone around us. I've got the light in me. But the reality is you need to point that on yourself. That then it would illuminate from there. Because a light pointed directly at you is different than a light pointed directly at another. When it's pointed directly at you, then from there light bounces off and begins to illuminate other things. And so there it exposes the darkness, the sin in your life that's really separating you from God. And then then it really reveals what's in front of us. I think for some of us, we're kind of stumbling in darkness and it really begins to reveal, man, here's what's in front of me. How do I move in that? Here's the will of God. And it helps direct us on where to walk then. And this is where prayer for you and I is critical as followers of Christ, where we seek the Holy Spirit, guide me, Point out in me what is offending you, Lord God. Point out in me what needs to be removed of that old life so that I may better imitate God and my Father so that I can walk in love and walk in wisdom. So this really causes us to move into a new walk where we desire not perfectly, but faithfully to imitate our heavenly Father by which Christ is our example to do so. Let's pray.